Weekend Mornings with Glenn Van Zutphen. Replay from Money FM 89.3. Today, I've got uh, Steve Okun, of course, a very familiar uh, voice to our listeners on the weekends. He is from McClarty uh, Associates, a senior advisor there, and he's joining me this morning to talk about what's happening in Washington, D.C., and beyond, deeper beyond. <laughs> Good morning. Good morning. Great to be back. It's been a long time. It has. I think the Obama election the last time we saw each other. (laughs) One presidential era ago, when you put it that way. Now, we have a very entertaining president. Um, I've grown to be fond of Donald Trump, and people shake their heads when they hear me say this. But the guy is unpredictable, and he is being unpredictable again after being hawkish almost with uh, what he wanted to do with Iran, now he's saying that holding back is a sign of strength. And and he, you know, he has, he has been predictably unpredictable, right? <laughs> yes, <laughs> As you say. But he has been relatively consistent that, you know, we shouldn't be, we the United States, we should not be in wars, we should not be engaged um, in all of these foreign entanglements. He's very critical of previous mm-hmm. administrations, both, you know, Obama and and Bush, right. um, for what they have done in terms of getting, you know, U.S. military interaction. Over. So this is somewhat consistent with him that he doesn't want to go and create another long-term military engagement for the United States against a much more formidable adversary, Iran, than either Iraq or Afghanistan. Could that be one of the reasons why he's holding back? Because he knows Iran is a lot more formidable than previous enemies of America. I I think that might be part of it, that that there is no exit strategy here Mm -hmm. if this were to escalate into a long-term conflict. Now, the problem is you may be able to say that by holding back and not not retaliating against the strike against the oil carrier that gave you know that gave Iran more of an incentive to then go escalate mm-hmm. their attacks if they did so if this was Iran and all signs seem to point to it being them against Saudi Arabia yeah which is another uh, point to talk about because on one hand you have Saudi Arabia and um, and the United States pointing fingers at Iran Iran denying it somehow And then you've got the Japanese saying it's not Iran. What really is happening and who is sort of who's the puppet master here when you think about it that way? Who's who's creating the tensions? Well, I mean, well, the the issue when you have a a situation like this, you you first you're going to ask yourself, who has the motive to do something like this and who has the capabilities to do Mm -hmm. something like this to get that sophisticated attack against that you know well defended a area it presumably can only be a state it can only be a country this cannot be a small terrorist organization it has to have the power of the state how many states have the incentive the motive to attack Saudi Arabia and their oil fields and and Mm. through that the United States and the West there's really only one country that has that so that's where all signs point to. Um, they've previously done that attack against a, you know, against the oil tankers. So you have to presume it is them. And then the question is, what are you going to do to retaliate? And so far, Donald Trump has shown that he is disinclined to do something that will cause military action. Mm-hmm. Cyber attacks, you know, the, the the cyber attack against Iran in retaliation was one way to do it, but it certainly didn't retaliate. Iran, uh, it didn't, um, it didn't keep. 
I ran from escalating, and so now we're in a in a, in a more dangerous position. So going back to just the perpetrators of these attacks, looking back uh, from a few weeks ago when the Japanese tanker was attacked, the Japanese prime minister was in Tehran. Uh, when Saudi Arabia's oil fields were attacked last weekend, um, the Iranian president was having a meeting with uh, the Russian president mm-hmm. and the Turkish president in Turkey. Does that add up to you, though? Well, I mean, I think you have to look at Iran, and let's we branch this out to North Korea. But it's very different to negotiate with with North Korea, where Kim Jong Un can make all of the decisions, and he does so with one goal in mind, and that is to stay in power, mm-hmm. uh, right? Whereas, and and he thinks he can do that by holding on to his his nuclear capabilities. Iran is a theocracy. Iran is very different, right? Um, and very, and, and so I don't. I think it's very hard for us in the West to to say, oh, well, we're going to put them into our position. We're going to look at what they're doing with our framework. You have to look at it in a very different way. It is very difficult for any you know, U.S. president uh, to negotiate an agreement with Iran. Obama and it led a coalition that got the best deal he could. Donald Trump pulled out of that. And now we are really at square one where things are just escalating and it's sanctions and it's attacks and it's more sanctions and it's more attacks from both sides. So what do we uh, think of now? Do we need to worry that the Iranian president will be at the U.N. General Assembly summit next week? Well, I think there's I don't think there's a worry there because, I mean, that's part of having the U.N. in, you know, in, in New York. Everybody yeah. gets to come mm-hmm. and, and you and you want to have those discussions. Will Donald Trump go back to working with all of his allies, uh, all the United States allies to try to contain Iran? He has not shown any inclination to work multilaterally. Mm-hmm. He doesn't do it in trade. Right. He doesn't do it in the environment. He doesn't do it with the military. And and that's a very bad position for the United States to be well, in. Well, he did uh, indicate that he would want to meet with the Iranian President Rouhani at some point. It might not happen next week. I think they've already dismissed that idea. But what do you think about him just saying that he is open to meeting this guy? I, I think that shows that there's a fundamental lack of understanding that Iran is not China. Iran is not North North Korea. Korea. They are very different. They are not going to meet to cut a deal. That's Mm. not what they do. They are have a very different approach to government than China does, than the United States does, than North Korea does. So by his saying that, and the Iran said, "We're not going to meet with you." Right. So I mean, unless you take the sanctions off, and and the U.S. can't take the sanctions off. So I don't know what possibly can happen in in New York in a bilateral meeting that can move things forward. So would I was just reporting it in. Uh, the U.S. will be sending troops to Saudi Arabia and the UAE. What message does that send? Again, it sends the message that we're going on in this on our own. And what did all other presidents do? We build, right? What did George H.W. Bush do? Coalition. What did George W. You build coalitions. You work on this together because this is not a U.S.-Iran issue. This should be a much more global issue. What do you do with a country that is a state sponsor of terrorism? What do you do with a country that presumably attacks, you mm-hmm. know, its neighbors? What do you do with a, a country that does not respect international maritime laws? That is not a United States issue. That is an issue for, for literally every country. And and the U.S. is just going at it on its own, and it's not going to be successful if it does that. Is it posturing, or do they really find a light at the end of this tunnel? What do you think is happening up in Washington? Why is America doing this on their own? Well, because that, that is what Donald Trump does. 
he acts unilaterally. This That should not be a surprise to anybody. We talked about how he's mm-hmm. predictably unpredictable. He's very predictable in that he acts unilaterally. He acted unilaterally on the environment, on trade, on foreign policy, and that's what he's doing here with Iran. It's not going to work. It's certainly not going to work as well as if he built a coalition. We're a year and a month out to his re-election bid, of course. Is he doing this to, like what he's doing with China, showing that he's tough on America's perceived enemies? I, mean, I don't I don't think he's doing this for his re-election. I mean, I don't think he's saying, what should my policy be for be towards Iran when it comes to my re-election? He may be saying that about the trade war in China because mm-hmm. that has an economic impact on the United States. But remember, U.S. voters, they vote about what is happening to them. And it's, you know, it's the economy. It's health care. It's education. It's, it's immigration for some voters. It's, it's socially conservative issues like mm-hmm. abortion and maybe gun control. Iran is not something that brings people out to vote. No. So I don't think he is doing this from a, 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 an electoral position. But he's to doing show this. that he's a tough guy. Well, he believes he's a tough guy. And that, you know, his, his core support, supporters respond to that, right? Well, they do, but I, I don't think they care if he were to say, his core supporters, if he were to say the best way to deal with Iran is acts, they're going to believe him because they basically mm-hmm. believe him about everything. everything. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the power of Trump. That's the appeal of Trump, I should say. Uh, Steve O'Kun talking to us about uh, the stories happening behind the headlines. He is, of course, a senior advisor at McClarty Associates. And we've been talking about Donald Trump. So let's keep on going. There's this whistleblower scandal uh, that's also brewing up there in Washington. And I saw a clip of uh, Giuliani doing a U-turn on a CNN interview. What exactly is happening there? I don't know if that was a U-turn. It just slammed on the brakes and completely went one one thing saying something else. The next question, he's admitting to something else. And and this ties into the narrative of of what Donald Trump is doing. Is Donald Trump using the presidency for his own purposes and not for the best interests of the country? And, Mm -hmm. and, you know, you could talk about what he's doing with his golf course in Scotland and what he's doing, you know, with his hotels and saying, I want to have, you know, the G7 at, 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 at my hotel in Florida. In this instance, the the accusation is that Donald Trump went to a foreign government and said, unless you investigate my political opponent, I am going to withhold U.S. aid. Right. That is the issue. That if if that is true, um, that is if that is true, that is certainly something that is an impeachable offense. And and this goes well beyond um, whether or not he says one thing and does something else. And is he being you know, is he is he withholding some information? This is very different. This is using the power of the United States government to to potentially punish a political opponent. That is very different than things he has done in the past, and and that is why this is being taken so seriously, at least in the short term, in Washington. So we're talking about uh, the Trump administration asking to investigate Joe Biden, and we assume, and everyone's reporting, it's the Ukraine that uh, the president has talked to. What, what, happens then. I mean, surely he knows that this is an impeachable offense. Or maybe he didn't. Or he or he doesn't think or he thinks he's above it. He thinks he's does he think he's above the law? I mean, mm-hmm. so what happened here is right. Hunter Biden, who's the son of of, the, of, of, Joe. of Joe Biden, when Joe Biden was vice president, Hunter Biden got an investment um, uh, and he was on a board of a Ukrainian company. There was and nothing a, wrong with that, right? 
Well, nothing wrong with it, you know, prima facie, but right. maybe there was something wrong. Mm-hmm. You don't know. And okay. the question is, and, and so what, what the Ukrainians were doing, uh, they started an investigation into this. Um, the, the, in, the prosecutor was removed because multiple countries said he was corrupt. Okay. Um, and so they removed him and then they said, nothing to be seen here. You know, there is nothing wrong, so we're not going to investigate it. That's where it ended. What Donald Trump is now saying is he sends his personal lawyer, Rudy Giuliani to the Ukraine Mm -hmm. to say you need to restart this investigation and this is the allegation and if you don't the United States government will not give you aid even though you have been you know invaded you know as some would say by the Russians in in Crimea that is a huge problem right you to say that you are going to use the power of the United States government to force a sovereign nation to take steps against a potential political opponent. How many news cycles do you think this will take? <laughs> well, the, the big question is, okay, the, 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 you know, the, where we, we've, we've used the, the I word, <laughs> in impeachment, right? And, and Nancy Pelosi has made very clear that no, impeachment, she, no right? impeachment because she doesn't, she thinks it's in the best interest of the country mm-hmm. to have Donald Trump lose an election day as opposed to be kicked out of office. So now, there are a lot of Democrats who disagree with her. There are a few Republicans who disagree with her, not many, and mm-hmm. at least really not, not many publicly, but a couple. Now, the question is, will this push more people, more Democrats and potentially more Republicans to say, we have to open an impeachment process. We have to have impeachment hearings. If that happens, this, this news cycle never ends. Yeah, but in opening an impeachment process, you give, well, as some would say, Donald Trump a better chance of winning a re-election if he's not impeached. That is why Don, that is why Nancy Pelosi does does seemingly does not want to have that happen, and she is trying to keep her caucus in line mm-hmm. and say, "Let's not do this. Look, we've only got another year and change to go. Let's beat him and let's not kick him out of office because that is only going to make things worse." But. What he has done, if this is true about using the power of the United States to punish a political enemy, that she may not be able to keep the lid on that. Wow. Very interesting what's going to happen, especially at this time of the year, so close to an election. Now we have uh, the Democrat presidential race sort of narrowing down now. Um, somebody, uh, Governor, Mayor, Mayor, de Blasio, Mayor, Mayor yeah. of New York, uh, yeah. uh, threw in the towel on Friday. What do you see happening is well, Joe Biden still the man to beat? Well, it's so right. What's happening still is that the Democratic primary is basically between between two lanes. You have the progressive lane, and mm-hmm. that's that's Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren, and to some degree, you could put Andrew Yang, you know, and Marion Williamson in there. Um, and then you have the we'll call the moderate lane, even though some may say they're not so moderate, right? But the more certainly more moderate than Sanders and, and Biden, and you know, Sanders and Warren, and that's Biden, and it's Harris, and it's it's Buttigieg, and it's mm-hmm. Bennett, um, you know, and Bullock, and, and and those. So the question is, who's going to come to the top of each of those lanes? Right now, it seems pretty clear clear that Warren is going to win her lane. Will Biden be able to hold everybody else off? Maybe, maybe not, though. Um, and then when you get those two lanes, you know, sorted out, they'll battle each other. And mm. Elizabeth Warren, if she can prove that she can beat Donald Trump in the Electoral College, maybe she'll get the nomination. Right now, there's a lot of Democrats whose number one concern is beating Donald Trump, and they may like Elizabeth Warren. They may like her positions. They may think that she cannot win a general election. And that's what's going to play out over the next – 
at least three to four months, no more than that, maybe even five to six months, and it could even stretch into the summer of next year. But what happened in the last election cycle? You have Bernie Sanders pushing Hillary Clinton towards the left, and that lost her the election. Well, it, because this time, well, I don't. Oh, okay, I'm going to disagree with you because, look, I, I worked in I worked in the Clinton administration. I supported Hillary Clinton. She was a terrible candidate. Uh, so, so don't. Oh, let's not okay. blame Bernie Sanders for for the loss. Let's blame Hillary Clinton as a candidate in her campaign, not her ideas, not whether she could have done a good job. But was she pushed a little bit? Over too much. To that always ha- like that. Right. That's how putting Trump aside. That's how everybody runs in the primaries. Mm-hmm. You run to your left if you're a Democrat. You run to a right if you're a Republican, and then you you moderate your position for the general election. That's always happened in the United States. So the question here is, though, the Democrats are different now because the at least so far the Democrats are not saying we're going to pick who best represents us. We don't care. All we care about is one thing, and that's getting Donald Trump out of the White House. Right. Now, let's see if the Democrats do that. And and if they do do that, then either Elizabeth Warren's going to have to come way to the center, which she may not be capable of doing mm-hmm. or, but because of who she is and where she's been. Or they'll and then the party will stick with Biden. And if they don't think Biden has the energy or the, or the attractiveness to the voters you need, the young voters, African-American voters, Hispanic voters, then they'll pick somebody else. And this word, socialism, has been going around in the U.S. It's like something scary. Uh, they're <laughs> scaring uh, the people of America. Are they getting this all wrong? I've seen ads that depict socialism as something totally different from what it really is. Well, that's, that is, it, de- it, it depends who frames, look, whoever frames the election best is going to be best position to win. Donald Trump wants to frame this election about socialism. Should we be? And and he will point out everything, you know, Medicaid. And the Democrats aren't helping themselves, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, with Medicaid <laughs> yes. for all in, in all of this. And so he's going to say, do we want to be a socialist country? The Democrats are going to say, do we want four more years of Donald Trump? And whoever frames the election most effectively under those two under those two questions will win. All right. Speaking to Steve Okun from McClarty and Associates on what's happening in Washington, D.C. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.